You may remember that on Mother's Day, we gave out the gifts of carnations. So we've been racking our head, what do we give dads, man? So we were thinking, well, let's give them tools. Well, not every dad likes tools, right? So that's kind of too general. So we're thinking and thinking, and all of a sudden, Josiah, as he's wiping the crumbs from his mouth, he says, food! All dads like food, you know? I said, okay, I think you're onto something here. So I give you two gifts today, dads. Number one is when you leave here, the kids will give you a little bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> food. This is to remind you that sometimes you need some spice in your life. And it's never, it's never hurts to also be reminded that you're hot. <laughs> right here. Keep this in your pocket. Eh? And the second one is this. Lately, I've been preaching about almost an hour, 55 minutes. I have, holy mackerel. So today, I'm gonna, this, we're going to make this quick. I'm going to put on my timer, and I give you guys the gift of brevity. So you can get out of here and have some fun time with your family or go in the sun or, or golf, whatever you want to do. All right, so here we go, timer. Paying attention. All right, so I, I came across this really cool story. Oh, <laughs> but it's been like three or four weeks in a row, so I've, I've heard it a few times. I understand, I understand. Uh, the, the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalafi, Khalafa, opened in Dubai January 4th, 2010. It's a staggering 2,717 feet tall, more than half a mile high. And it easily overshadows the previous tallest building, which was in Taiwan at, at 1,671 feet. And it stands double the height of the renowned Empire State Building. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It accommodates 12,000 people, uh, built at a cost of about $1.5 Probably now that would be like $7.5 the way our dollar is. Tallest man-made structure, building, uh, building with most floors, 160-ish. Previously, the Willis Tower was 108 floors. The highest outdoor observation deck, it's the world's highest mosque. And this is the coolest part about it, the world's highest swimming pool, 76th floor. How would that be, eh? But it's amazing, but they said that actually the most amazing part of this building is not what you see, but actually what you don't see. So it's actually the foundation of this tallest building in the world. When I looked a little bit into that, without this, obviously without this solid foundation, there's no chance that this thing could stay up and it would crumble and topple quickly into rubble. So extending 164 feet deep under the building lies 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing over 120,000 tons. And it took just over a year to build the foundation. Unbelievable, eh? So what we don't see is so terribly important. And obviously, you know where I'm going with this. How about with our lives? When it comes to us dads, this is especially for you guys, but it's for everybody. When we don't take the time to build a good foundation, doesn't matter how good you look, how great your gifts are, how savvy you are in using those gifts, the foundation will crumble and you will crumble with it. So it's amazing that, like I even hinted toward in my prayer, that oftentimes I've said our private life qualifies us for our public life. That's from Rob Stewart. Our private life qualifies us for a public life. So no matter how good you think you are or no matter how good 
people think you are if you have not done the work underground what lies beneath. You're in for a crumbling tower when the foundation is not there. So today we're going to be actually reading a portion of scripture that we've probably read the last two Sundays, but we're going to read it again. And like I said, we're going to keep it short just to honor you dads. So here we go again in Luke, and we're again at the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, and we're going to start at verse 43. Luke 6, starting at verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I want to pause there right off the bat, and I want to just appreciate some of the humor that he's actually using in some of these stories and, and analogies. It makes no sense to grab some, some grapes and think, I would love a grape tree. In fact, seriously, my kids could not have been better and more timed because just this week, they ate an apple at Nana's place and they were so excited because they planted those seeds in the backyard. And Jay, or Brielle says to me, she's so excited because Nana never has to buy apples again. <laughs> okay, just from little seeds. So here the same thing is it makes no sense to grab some grapes or some apples and go to any random tree and then kind of get some twine, put it on there and go, okay, hope for the best. And now for the rest of my life, I'm going to have fantastic grapes or apples. It makes no sense. Everybody knows that, right? Right. But here he's saying, if you want good fruit, you got to also start with a good product. And I love it here because he's also reminding us, because some of you are going like, whoa, I've done some bad things, stupid things, some almost evil things. But here he says, if we have a treasury of evil, then you're going to spit out evil fruit. If you have a treasury of good stuff. So we're not saying that once in a while you slip up and what we said a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago is that all of a sudden in, in your hangriness, you're angry because you're, or you're angry because you're hungry kind of thing that you all of a sudden do stu something stupid or disrespectful because you're just hangry. But on the whole, there's this treasury in your heart and what are you filling your heart with is really, really important. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Here he's really starting to meddle. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? A kind of a respective sir, sir. When you don't do what I say. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood rotters sweep down against the house, it will collapse in a heap of ruins. So I don't know if Jesus has to work on his literary skills here, but he leaves us with a sour taste in our mouth. Right off the bat, he leaves us lingering with this conclusion of just simply this picture. When the floods sweep down against a house that does not have a good foundation, the whole thing collapses in ruins. It reminds me of good old John Perkins when I heard him preach. I just loved listening to that guy. He says, 
if the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I don't know if it was his accent, whatever, but the King James Version, love it. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is a fabulous question for today's day and age, don't you think? When the foundations are being destroyed, when apparently there is no truth, when apparently there is no right way to think about families, when there is absolutely no right way apparently to think about sexuality, any of this stuff, when the foundations are being destroyed and there's no right answers anymore, and heaven forbid that you actually put up your hand and say, I think I know the answer, shut up. The foundations are being destroyed. What can the righteous do? Roman 1 paints a... a, a a picture, a grim picture of the demise of society. And when you look at Romans 1, the de- demise of society starts with the de- demise of folks not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore families not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore societies crumbling and toppling because there is no foundation. So we can go, ah, and blame whoever is in Ottawa, but it starts right here. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with our day-to-day decisions on building a foundation. It starts with you building a foundation in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, in your neighborhood. Right now, I, I got to admit, I'm even a little bit overwhelmed because just in my little, little, little neighborhood, I have two folks that are really, really, really hurting. They're unchurched folks, but they're really hurting because some kiddos, one of them had a, a major um, episode is in a children's hospital and the other one has a, a little nephew that's dying of cancer and she, he's only like two or three. So I'm going like, what can I do? How can I present myself to be salt and light with folks that are having real time difficulties right now? What difference does Jesus make to them? And what difference does Jesus make to me when they witness how I live? Building a good foundation. So I think today's passage has a lot to say about a lot of things. First of all, integrity. So who we are, even in private. How we treat others. Gentlemen, even how we treat ladies. I would throw that in there. About whatever we put in our hearts is going to come out of our mouths one of these days. So whatever you're jamming, you might have a foolproof plan to make sure nobody actually gets to know the real you. There will come a day when something's going to slip. And we're going to see what the real foundation is like. This passage also talks about practicing what you preach. Or about having a sensitive, ongoing conversation and relationship with Jesus Christ. About hearing and obeying. About building a good foundation in life. And it goes on and on and on. Dads, I especially want to say to you, because if you're like me at all, once in a while when you blow it, you say something stupid or you raise your voice at your kids and uh, you know, the rest of your evening you're going, what have I done? You know what? It's all right. Because you, just like kids are resilient, you also need to be resilient and get back and start building that foundation again for your kiddos. This is really important because I think sometimes guys especially feel like we're beaten down, especially society likes to beat us down, but it's time to get up, dust off, and move forward again. Not even one amen. <laughs> Come on, I, I, I should have written that in there or put it on that thing, you know, Amen. I think it's really important that we start also honoring dads and men. So when we look at this background, we, there's a, different, a little difference between the Sermon on the Mount and what we see here, Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, his audience is mostly Jewish. In Luke, remember, he's talking and he's putting together this airtight um, 
apologetic on this is what happened in the life of Christ. And he's talking to Theophilus and also to other hearers, and most of his hearers he was concerned with were Greek readers. So in contrast here, we see, well, in Matthew, we see that his audience envisions a storm in Palestine that produces rising streams, so a swollen kind of river, and then descending upon the hills. But Luke here is envisioned a storm that causes a river to really rise, and the torrent or the flood actually smashes into a house. And Luke, there's a good chance that Luke is also talking about and envisioning the houses that he's dealing with, because a lot of the houses, when it came to Hellenistic or Greek times, they typically had basements. So to even think how he's writing and how context is so important, it's kind of cool to see the background here. So he's even telling his readers right now, you got to dig deep. In fact, my brother, not that long ago, wanted to add a garage to his house in Manitoba, and he couldn't just build a foundation. No, the inspectors came out and he had to put piles deep into the ground because there's so much clay in the area where I grew up. Grew up. So if he didn't put those piles deep, deep, deep into the ground, there's no chance that his garage floor wouldn't start moving and swaying and cracking. So my brother's garage, what you see is only a part of the costs of it and also what is keeping that garage stable. So as we go here, and just before we jump in here, I want, us to, I want to remind us what we looked at last week is we talked about how terribly important it is to uh, what kind of leader that we follow. Because if we follow somebody like a Pharisee, is what he was talking about last week, or a teacher of the law, wherever they go, which will be the ditch, that's where you go. So the teachers of the law or the Pharisees that had kind of thrown out the grace relationship with Jesus Christ or this relationship and they just start counting all their steps and paying attention only to the law, they will end up in the ditch and what he's saying is they are not worth following. And it's still here today to pay attention to who are you following and I'd like to add here too, are you worth following? Are you worth following? So this is a great question for us to think of today is what kind of foundation do we have? Dads, parents, kiddos, what kind of people are you following? And also what kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit are you producing in its season? We saw last week too, when it comes to judging others with a speck in their eye, we saw a fantastic picture of, I judge you with your speck while I coddle a ginormous beam and I offer you guys help but meanwhile, I'm smacking you upside the head with my ginormous beam in my eye. It makes no sense. So he's using these huge contrasts for us to get it, that it doesn't make any sense. I like what Wright points out. He says, and this is very important, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were trying to make Israel holier and holier as a way of separating their nation from other nations. But the point of the law and the prophets was to make Israel the light to the nations. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that again. It's so terribly important because even from my background, the good old Mennonites, sometimes what we've done is we've actually constructed a way so that we pull away because we want to be holy and we no longer share our faith and then all sorts of stuff happens. So listen to this again. The Pharisees were trying to make Israel holier and holier as a way of separating their nation from other nations. But the point of the law and the prophets was to make Israel the light to the nations. 
So they were going around with huge beams in their eyes, but maybe with the other eye, they were taking out magnifying glasses, looking for your speck of problems. And it made no sense. We too need to be careful, realizing that we are not just supposed to, holiness means come away and stay away from the world and culture, but rather to build a good foundation and engage because we too are a light to the nations. We're a light to the nations. Dads, you're also called to be holy and an example to your family and a light to other dads and other families. A big high five to all you coaches out there. You know, it's such a big deal. I just finished yesterday. They just celebrated my eight-week stint as a soccer coach. You know, got a $25 gift certificate. That's right. Um, but you know how important it is? I see kiddos that just yesterday there was a kid that had absolutely no regulation. It wasn't on my team. Thank the Lord. But, whoa, man, when he... he, he tripped over another kid and he was so mad he started bawling and he punched that kid and then the rest of the whole time he's just crying and he's sitting in the corner there's no regulation i had a kid that also had some anger issues but it was so cool because we've been working with this kid and we're calling him out just saying is that what a leader would do i know what he did was not right but how do you respond and we got kiddos from broken families we got kiddos with single moms and all sorts of stuff and it's really cool that for eight weeks i get to hang out with kiddos and hopefully have my stuff together so that I can offer at least a bit of a light and a bit of salt to kiddos that might not even have a dad or might not even have an idea that God loves them or that a parent loves them. Really cool. So a big high five to you guys that do do that kind of stuff. Dads, you're called to be holy as an example to your family and also a light to other dads and families. Dads, we are really talking about a consistent cultivation of values and a consistent cultivation of our relationship with God. So the first thing I want us to know, and I better start cruising if I'm going to keep my, uh, my promise to you guys, we got to bear fruit if we want our kids to bear fruit. I love telling my kids to bear fruit while I sit on the couch. Right? And one thing that impacted me a while ago is that when we mentor our kids, one guy said to me, it's like ragging on your teenager, ragging on your teenager, ragging on your teenager, mow the lawn, mow the lawn, mow the lawn. And they finally go out to mow the lawn and they did the worst job. So then they're finally put the lawnmower away and then you go out and mow it anyway. What does that say to our teenagers? But meanwhile, they probably did it on purpose (laughs) because they never wanted to mow the lawn again, right? But it's interesting, and that kind of stuck with me when I rag and rag and rag on my kid, but then it's never good enough. So the brass ring is always goes higher and higher and higher. Many of us adults feel that. We know what that's like, that we're never good enough at work or we're never good enough in the homes that we grew up in. So it's really important to have this foundation and help our kids realize, man, we love them. And we're bearing fruit. Therefore, they have an example and they can actually walk with us because we're leading them in our own private lives. We're leading them in our own private lives. This proverb simply states that a tree is known by the fruit it produces. A bad tree produces hate and judgment of others, where a good good tree produces a love, even of enemies, and a non-condemning attitude. Remember, we looked at last week that sometimes we don't like what's going on, but nowhere do we see all of a sudden that we got the license to hate somebody. We are light and salt to people, and we got to love them into the kingdom. Sirach 27, verse 6, which is found in the Apocrypha, says the fruit discloses the cultivation of a tree. 
So the expression of a thought discloses the cultivation of a man's mind. Say it again. Uh, the fruit discloses the cultivation of a tree. So the expression of a thought discloses the cultivation of a man's mind. Interesting, because just yesterday I was helping somebody move in Vancouver, and these big, beautiful trees, they're all dying. And we had this conversation, and he's wondering, is it because we never allow the acorns and, and all the leaves to actually just die there? and become fertilizer for the rest of the tree. So now we have this gigantic tree that's growing all brown. And now they have tape on it because they're probably going to have to take them out. And it was just so sad. But we were just wondering, what's been cultivated there? How have we taken care of this tree? How are you taking care of yourself? Good things come from a good treasury stored in the heart, we said. So what are we storing? Many years ago, somebody told me, garbage in, garbage out. So you watch stuff, you're part of video games that are no good, it's going to spill out in what you do and how you treat others. It's just a fact. Moral reformation, which leaves the heart untouched, is about as useful, somebody says, as tying bunches of grapes onto a briar bush. Jesus is inviting his hearers to a way of life which is completely new and that will change their heart and not just their actions. It'll change their personality. The other analogy is having a firm foundation is to build a house digging really deep. Digging deep. The tests of life will come, so storms and floods will come, and at that point, what's our foundation made out of? Temptations do come. In fact, one guy, Stein, would say that this is a real uh, Christological claim, which should be noted here, that the storms will come, and what kind of roots do we have in our relationship with Jesus Christ? And I find this interesting because just a while ago I had a conversation with a guy that figured money's everything. And even as a Christian, he figured that with lots of money, he can help the most people. But then in the same conversation, he just talked about his wife going through cancer. And I said to him, boom, right there. He says, what? I said, yeah, your money can help quite a few people. But the suffering that you've gone through, every human being has gone or will go through suffering. And that is a connection point for the human race. Wouldn't you agree? We all have suffered or will suffer. And that is real a connection point. And that's what I was praying for even Heather. That she would realize that even as she's going through this deep valley of suffering with Crohn's, that she would not, be, not doubt the presence of Christ with his rod and staff. That that would bring comfort to the Tweel family. So we need not to be concerned about the judgment of our neighbors, about all the cool things somebody has posted on Facebook because nobody posts any of the, I got mad at my kids today. Like, who posts that? No, no, it's just like, oh, he's the best dad ever. Like, you're going to see it all over Facebook today. I can't believe how selfless you are. But meanwhile, they had an argument last night, you know, and all this other stuff. So we don't need to compare ourselves to our neighbors, to our friends, or don't even allow the reviews that you're getting from your teenagers. Uh, don't let that be the judgment factor of who you are as a man or as a person. Because really what we're looking at here, this fruit and this foundation, we need to be concerned of how God sees our fruit and how God sees our foundation. Quite a while ago, I stayed at a bed and breakfast and I stayed with a family that, they were just fantastic and they had a blended family and a lot of kids. 
at one point, it just was not working out. They had a teenager that was going off the rails, making things unsafe in the house and stealing and all that stuff. And they tried everything, 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 everything. So finally, they had to have this really tough conversation and just saying, this cannot happen anymore. And these are the only couple things that need to happen. But if you don't respect these couple things, you can't stay here anymore. Hardest time ever. And the tears poured as they watched their son walk out the door. They were broken. And this guy's also a pastor, and he just hit his knees, and they were just crying and beat up from this whole situation. And they just couldn't believe it. They're crying out, like, what have I done? What happened? What could I have done better? All sorts of things you ask yourself. You always beat yourself up as a parent in this situation. And then he heard a word from the Lord. And I love this, and I put this in my pocket. What is the Lord calling you to do, dads? To be perfect? To be good at absolutely everything, you know, mow the lawn, take care of the cars, do everything just perfect, the stereotypical dad? To be the incredible lover to your wife and be the funnest dad in the world and to be the provider? You got to do everything perfect if you want to be a good dad. No, this guy, the Lord spoke to him and this was it. God is calling dads, God is calling you to be faithful. How cool is that? He's calling you to be faithful. Now you can just kind of go, oh, that's easy. Not really. Because that means you have an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he puts your finger on something, that leads us to what we want to do next is learn to obey. This is not a very fun word these days. Grow in our obedience. So as we watch our kids grapple with God's will and direction, they need to see real time that dads, parents, you also grapple with what God wants for your life and you live it out loud so they can kind of see what goes on in this relationship that we have with Christ. And obedience is not a, proper, a very popular word these days. I think it's really important that they grow up in this atmosphere where they watch us grapple with hearing from the Lord, with reading the word by our prayer together and sometimes sharing some of the things that the Lord seems to be sharing with you as a dad. It means you're learning to walk in the Spirit. That means if you've quenched the Spirit or if you've pushed Him down, it's time to actually start being filled by the Spirit. So what that does mean is if you've been living in disobedience, you can't properly hear the Spirit of God anymore. And what Kevin Bernie, one of our former youth pastors, said so many years ago, he says when the Lord spoke to him, one of the things that happened, a mentor told him is, when you realize that you have a dry relationship, think back. Is there a time where you said no to the Lord? You know he was speaking to you. You wanted to do something, and you said no, and you walked away. could be years. could be last week. Go back to that place. Go back to that place and obey what he has for you. And I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised that things will open up, and from you, springs of living water will come out because of this renewed relationship. You have no more quenching the Spirit but being filled by the Spirit of God. Learning to inquire and walk with the Spirit, dads. So I don't mean that you uh, manipulate or you even uh, abuse kiddos and how you're trying to get them obey the Lord, obey you. But I do think that there is an interesting connection when my kiddos learn to obey a dad and a mom that are in step with the Spirit. I think they also get a taste of what it is like to be in step with the Lord.
lot of pressure on us parents. But I'm not trying to be guilty here. I'm trying to go, this is cool because your relationship with Jesus is so important. Your relationship with your wife is so important. Get a babysitter, take your wife on a date, do something cool like that because they need to see real-time good relationships and a growing dad, a dad that knows how to say story, a dad that knows how to make things right. Correction is a responsibility and a privilege of a parent. Did you know that? Correction is a responsibility and a privilege of a parent. I hate disciplining in the way that correcting my kids. I hate it. But it's a pretty big deal. Because our kiddos learn from the guidance that we bring. And that changes over time. At first, you got big rules as a kid. And then later on, it turns into coaching, right, as parents? But it's a pretty big deal that we walk with our kids and we have a foundation and fruit bearing in our lives so that they know what it's like to have that foundation. They know what it's like to bear good fruit. Foundations take a lifetime to build. So there's no foundation. You can't, like, foundations take a lifetime to build. If you have no foundation and then someday you get into some kind of trouble, some situation or tempting situation, and then all of a sudden, oh God, and you look for a sudden burst of supernatural foundational wisdom, it's probably not going to show up. I guess what I'm saying is there's this cultivation of foundation and good fruit that needs to happen in our lives. My mama said so many years ago that you, Stevie, or what'd she call me? Stephanus or something like that? You need to make up your mind long before you're ever presented with the temptation. So in my situation as a little boy, you know, looking at girls and stuff, she's just like, you know what? You need to make up your mind before all of a sudden you get in a hot and heavy date. You have to make up your mind what are your parameters on how far will I go with a girl or how will I honor a young lady? Because if I'm just like, you know, going with the culture and stuff, and then I get into a situation where maybe the young lady I'm with doesn't have great morals, well, that's not going to turn out well, will it? So she was really providing fantastic advice that, Steve, you got to make up your mind and build a foundation before the temptations and troublesome times come. I think another thing sometimes, dads, moms, and I say this really gently, is sometimes in certain ways we don't expect, expect enough from our kids. So I'm not talking about the uh, brass ring. I'm not talking about your kid will never, ever meet perfection, so you just keep raising that ring. That's horrible. But I think sometimes we are, have cultivated stuff in our society, in our culture, that, oh, just a teenager. Oh, that going through a phase. Oh, what? Come on. I think, and I have full and real-time experience, even at youth group, where kiddos will rise to incredible challenges and be really cool and responsible young beings. And that's because I expect them to live up to a certain standard. I think we've got to learn to cultivate even that expectation in a gracious way. Think about your life with Christ. Does not God the Father call us, dads and moms, to walk in obedience? Does he not correct us? And when that happens, isn't it nice to look into the eyes of a loving Heavenly Father, realizing, wow, you know what? I was corrected because he loves me. It's kind of a neat perspective. Weston, who used to be here, he would ask for feedback or if I'd give him a critique or be critical of his message or something like that, I'd say, like, does that hurt your feelings? He says, oh, no. In fact, if you criticize it, I always feel 
that there's something worth criticizing. I, I like to use the word critique, you know, but to be gracious in your critique. But I thought that was a neat perspective that Weston had. We are called to be faithful. We are not called to be perfect. Last thing I want us to realize is that we need to not only build a good foundation, not only to obey dads, but we also need to evaluate. Men, ask yourselves this question. Is there an area in my life where I need to grow that will benefit me, that will benefit my wife or my relationship or also benefit my uh, family dynamics? Better yet, and here I'm treading, scary, these men might throw their hot sauce at me at this one. Better yet, when you're feeling calm, stable, thoughtful, and open, so not coming off a crazy event where you and your wife are mad at each other, but in a safe environment, is there a chance that we could ask our wives that question? That do you see an area that I could grow in? And ladies, it's absolutely your responsibility to be nice and... Uh, thoughtful, full of grace, and full of truth. Then perhaps you guys can share that intimate moment and then celebrate the cool things that dad is doing in your family. We got to take time to celebrate. Kiddos, celebrate your dads. They might have been done 15 things wrong, but they probably did one thing right, so celebrate that one thing. And enjoy your dad because he's actually put into a place in your life and he answers not to you but to the good Lord imagine our families and our societies if we learned to make decisions that always built a firm foundation and exemplified a life of listening obedience with gracious evaluation that we would be able to bear fruit I'm going to call the worship team to come on up so dads, adults, families, friends, let's press reset. And just before I do that, I'm going to read this for you because this was actually my morning devotion this morning. My utmost for his highest. And this is what uh, Oswald said. If I'm a friend of Jesus, I must deliberately and carefully lay down my life for Jesus. It is a difficult thing to do. And thank God that it is difficult. Salvation is easy for us because it costs God everything. But the exhibiting of salvation in my life or bearing fruit is difficult. God saves a person, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and then says in effect, now you will work it out in your life and be faithful to me, even though the nature of everything around you is to cause you to be unfaithful. This is Oswald Chambers writing so many years ago. Everything around us is set up for us to be unfaithful, and Christ is asking us to lay down our lives for him in daily meditation, worship, service, and lifestyle. So let's press reset. Let's press reset. We want to honor the high calling of being a dad. We want to build a firm foundation. We want to bear fruit from a good heart where we've treasured up good things in our hearts. And we want to live a life of obedience. Happy Father's Day, guys.